Welcome to the C3 Calgary podcast. We're so grateful that you're a part of our family and we'd love to invite you to one of our services. To find locations, times, and more information about our church, visit our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram. Enjoy the message. welcome you to Easter Sunday morning. Father, I thank you today. You've got a very personal word for everybody that's gathered today, myself included. Thank you for speaking to me. Thank you for a fresh, living word today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Yeah. Welcome to church, everybody. As Pastor Tim had said so eloquently, the Super Bowl of Christianity is today, right here. The only, the only one that wasn't excited about this morning was those geese out there in the parking lot. This is their place all week, and then Sunday morning, we disrupt them. I don't know if you noticed or not, but for the last three or four years, we've had a pair of geese that um, like to make the property their home and lay some eggs, and uh, it's always very exciting to see what's going on there. We used to sing a song um, as, when I was growing up, Because He Lives, I Can Face Tomorrow. Because He Lives, All Fear Is Gone. Because I Know Who Holds a Future, and Life Is Living Just Because He Lives. This is what we celebrate today. There's an invisible guest here. His name is Jesus, and he's appeared by the presence of the Holy Spirit, and he's here to touch lives today. If you have any need in your life of any kind, he's here to meet that need. And if you're willing to be open, he will speak to you, he will minister to you, and your lives will be touched and changed. Um, last Sunday morning in the first service, I made some comments about Walmart. I just want to apologize for those. <laughs> Insensitive, but accurate. <laughs> so doesn't sound like a genuine apology, does it? Sorry. <clears throat> The takeaway from last week was um, on the way to doing a good thing, there's a thousand opportunities to do the wrong thing. And um, and that was my um, conclusion about thinking of Jesus on his way into Jerusalem. He knew exactly what was going to happen. He knew precisely that his time had come, and he didn't back down. He didn't back away. He kept his face as flint, the scripture says. And I'm just so thankful he never gave up and he never let go. He kept going so you and I could have a new and a full life. If it smells like fresh carpet in here, it's because it is. <laughs> I know. And the other, the stuff in the foyer will be here in due time. And you can celebrate that when, when that arrives. I want, I want to take a few um, um, different passages of Scripture today. And uh, I wanna, I've entitled my message, Resurrection Questions. Um, I'm not sure if it's the same with you. You may have resurrection uh, all settled, but every Easter I revisit it again and ask myself, like, well, so, so what is the big deal about the resurrection? Frankly, I, want, I wonder that as your leader. So you might have the same question. What's the big deal about, about like, resurrection life? Like, and, um, and so, of course, I throw myself into the scriptures and I begin to find um, some profound truths about why the resurrection makes, it, makes what we do so unique to any other 
form of uh, religion in the world is because our leader rose again. It's very different, right? Um, and, and because he lives, we shall live also. And, and that is probably summarizes the, because we, like, we love the cross, everybody, the story of the, I shouldn't say we, we love the cross, but perhaps we see the execution tool of the Romans, um, and we know about that. We know about the, what happened at the cross. Forgiveness was purchased. But really, we should be even more excited about the resurrection, because that's where life, not, not, a, not death, but life now is vectored into you and I. Uh, we're, we're a little bit uncomfortable with death. I know I am. And my first brush with death was uh, in the, it was probably be the early 60s, and um, I always loved um, westerns. And uh, in fact, in fact, anybody remember Bonanza and Lauren Green? I like to think I'm named after him. I can't prove that. <laughs> but I was pretty comfortable with shooting at a, at a young age. We, we had a, uh, the Rebel News were here a few weeks ago, and I, Adam Seuss was there, and and he said, um, he said, what's your name? I said, Lauren. Do you remember Bonanza? And he said, mm, no. Like the steakhouse? I said, no. <laughs> no, no, we'll just leave that. Welcome online, everybody. Um, so my first brush with death was I got a BB gun, probably six or seven years old. I was young and um, lever action and... Uh, I went out a hunting around the farm, and uh, I had, had a harmless barn swallow cornered underneath the, in the porch of the house, and um, wouldn't you know it, like, I just, you know, thought how easy it would be just to, you know, go hunting, and bang, I hit the barn swallow, and it dropped. I know, I, and I held its warm lifeless, limp body and started to cry like a little girl. Oh, what have I done? I've taken a life. It was horrifying for me and nothing I could do was going to bring that little barn swallow back to life. I was shocked at the condition of my soul of taking the life of a little barn swallow. Uh, a little bit later, I was probably about eight or nine years old and I was down at my grandmother's house. They had a wood stove in the kitchen and an oil stove in the living room. I wasn't feeling well. Grandma put me into the den and um, in the living room, and uh, she put this big blanket over top of me, a big heavy blanket. And um, I said, uh, wow, that's a heavy blanket, and it's all, it's, got, it's all covered with fur. I said, what? <laughs> and she said, do you remember old Vic? I said, no, I don't remember old Vic. It was one of the horses, and so we got a blanket made out of it. <laughs> Not only was I sick, I was horrified. Now, have you, ever been, have you ever been walking in the bush and you get a cobweb in, the, in your face? <laughs> That's what I was doing to the blanket. I'm under this dead horse. It was shocking to me. So me and old Vic never got on that well after that. <clears throat> The, the idea of death, though, is horrifying to us. It's, a, it's an uncomfortable thing because we were meant not to uh, face death. Death was not meant to be part of our uh, life. It was meant to 
Uh, it came in as a result of the fall. And uh, you and I were meant to enjoy life and full life. And that's why Jesus came. I want you to take your Bibles, if you would, and uh, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I want to just... Um, this is... Th- th- there's, I got three mini sermons I'm going to put into one sermon, and it's not going to be very long. You don't have to worry about that. Only my wife was worried about that. She said, don't, don't be long this morning. <clears throat> no, but I have to be accurate. Second, First Corinthians chapter 2, it says, um, no, the wisdom that we speak of is a secret wisdom of God, which was hidden in former times, though... He made it for our benefit before the world began, but the rulers of this world had not understood it. If they had, they would never have crucified our glorious Lord. This is interesting to me. You get to peek behind the scenes of what's happening in the spirit world and the motivation of the world leaders. They didn't have any idea. They thought that the cross was a great victory. This is interesting to me. If they would have known, somehow... For some reason, Satan never knew that the, that the cross was the plan, and it was going to be a place of great victory, and he thought for a couple of days he'd won. Um, the, the, his, his nefarious scheme to overthrow humanity was crushed at the cross. He never knew. And then it says this, that's, that is what the scripture means when it says no eye has seen, no ears heard, and no mind has imagined what God's prepared for those who love him. This is the core of depression. If you have not been able to, if your eye has not been able to see what God has done, if your ear is unable to hear what he has done, and if your mind is not able to imagine what he has done, we are those who are without hope. Therefore, we should be the most disappointed and depressed people on the earth. However... He has revealed it, these things, by his spirit, and his spirit searches out everything and shows us even the deep secrets of God. In a world of swipes and likes, there is a profound truth that because he lives, we shall live also. This is a story of Easter. The, the 1 Corinthians chapter 15, clearly the headwaters of the profound story of the resurrection. Um, I, I just want to explore this a little bit. Jesus uh, really wrecked Lazarus's funeral. But, but as we read through this story, we can see there's four questions that I've seen in chapter 15. Uh, the first one is, are the dead raised again? The second one is, when are they raised The third one is, why are they raised? And the fourth question at the end of the chapter is, how are they raised? This is the center for you and I when it comes to the resurrection. Uh, Understand his audience here at Corinth were Greek. The Greek philosophers had no real great respect for the human body. They felt that it it imprisoned the soul. When he was in Athens, chapter 17, they laughed at him when he talked about the resurrection of Christ. Because they saw, well, like they, they couldn't understand, they couldn't see the benefit of that. And <clears throat> so he deals with this subject, and the first question he asks is, are the dead even raised, raised again? And chapter 1, uh, or sorry, verse 1, the first few ch- verses of chapter 15. Let me remind you, 
excuse me, Jesus, I thank you for your healing today. Now let me remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then and still do now, for your faith is built on this wonderful message. And it is this good news that saves you if you firmly believed it, unless, of course, you believe something different. He's saying the result of your life is proof that there's resurrection from the dead. The, the, the result that you're, you have new life, that, you, that it's possible to have new life, that the, the, the story of the proof of that is in you and I, that we have found faith in Christ and what he did then offers us today a new, an entirely new outlook on life. So he said, you're, you're one of those proofs. The second one he says is about, and I passed on to you in my version, it says what's most important. When the Bible says what's most important, it's important to read very slowly the next few verses. Why? Because they're most important. So he said, Here's what's, I passed on to you what's most important. And uh, what had been passed on to me, that Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He's saying, now he's saying the second uh, proof of are they raised from the dead is because the scripture said so. He was buried, he was raised from the dead on the third day, as the scripture says. He was seen by Peter, then by 12 apostles, and after that seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died by now. And then even his stepbrother, James, and later by the apostles, last of all, I seen him as well, long after the others. He's saying that the other reason that we understand the resurrection and the question is, are they raised again, is because he was seen by a whole bunch of people, like a whole bunch, for 40 days. People are seeing him. And then the, the last, so the, then, he, then he would use this as an example uh, in verse, um, as the scripture said, um, is it there? Well, as the scripture said, this, what, he, he, I thought it was right there. Or it, was, it was there yesterday. <laughs> uh, 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 but, the, but, the, but tell me this. Since we preached Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you still saying there's no resurrection? Mm, mm-hmm. um, well, help us, Lord. Christ, uh, yeah, but that... Came to is there not no resurrection? Let's just move on to the next point. <laughs> no, no, sorry about that. I had a, it was all right here, but then it's, uh, it's strangely evaporated. <clears throat> but but he said what's mostly important is that Christ rose from the dead, as the scriptures said. So so Christ is the fulfillment of the Old Testament scriptures, a sacrificial system. We know he's the fulfillment of that, right? And and what took place took place on Passover, if you remember. And, and he says, in the, the, my next question was about wh- when are they raised? But the fact is that Christ's been raised from the dead, dead, verse 20, and he's become the first of a great harvest. There it is, of those who are raised to life again. He is the first fruits of a great harvest. Here's a point. Here's a point. Um, um, the first fruits took place. The first fruits when, when the priest would take a sheave of wheat from the harvest, he would take it and he'd wave it like this. It was the first fruits uh, from the harvest, which meant that the rest of the harvest was the Lord's as well. When we bring 10%, our first fruits, and we bring it into the, house, into the storehouse, it's the same picture here that it means that our entire uh, harvest, all the blessing and all the favor of God, we bring a first fruit, but the rest is all his as well. And, and wouldn't you know it that Jesus on the Passover, now he's, he rose again when? Uh, the first day of the first fruits. So he's saying that when you read the Old Testament, you'll see it's proof 
And the picture is that Christ not just died, but he rose again as well. And the picture of that is that there's going to be a great harvest. Verse 21, so you see, just as death came into the world through one man, the second proof, not only scriptures, but is Adam. And he said, Jesus is the second Adam. Now, now Adam, Adam, now the resurrection from the dead has begun. It's already started through another man, Christ. Everyone dies because all of us are related to Adam, the first man. But all who are related to Christ, the other man, will be given new life. But there is an order, circle order in your Bible. There's a certain way that this is going to happen. And this is one of the other proofs, is there's an order. And he's the first. But there's an order to the resurrection. Christ is raised first. Then when Christ comes back, all of his people will be raised again. That's us. He goes on to say, and after this, and here's the third reason, uh, when are they raised again? Because there's an order, because, he, af, because Christ rose again, now you and I are going to be raised again after, the, the, after. After that end will come, when he will turn the kingdom over to God the Father, having putting all enemies under, all enemies of every kind, uh, under his, uh, having put down all enemies of every kind, for Christ must reign until he humbles all of his enemies beneath his feet, and the last enemy to be destroyed is death. What's he saying? He's saying that there's a battle still taking place because the word until is there. Then after, so Christ was raised from the dead, but the enemies are still being placed under his feet as you and I positionally put the enemies under our feet. That's what's taking place. And even in the millennial reign, the thousand-year reign of Christ, which is going to come shortly as well, there's still enemies that need to be destroyed and put under his feet until. This is the order. All right. And then he, he went on to say, uh, why are they raised? Well, that's pretty obvious because, because flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. You and I need a different body for eternity. Can somebody say amen? Amen. (sighs) No, but there's a new body waiting for us because Christ rose again. He was the first. And those of you and I who are in Christ, we get to enjoy a new body as well. Are you you all okay with the current body you got? There might be a few of you. But... But the point is that in eternity, we're going to need a different type of body. What kind is that? An eternal body. Okay, so turn your page to the resurrection body in chapter 15 still. Somebody asks, how are the ra- in this question, how are they raised again? What kind of bodies will we have? What a foolish question. You put a seed into the ground and it grows uh, into a plant unless it, for- it dies first. It doesn't grow unless it dies first. And what you put in the ground is not the plant that will grow, but just a dry seed of wheat, wherever it is. Then God gives it a new body, just the kind that he wants it to have. There's different types of bodies. What's he saying? He's saying that the body of Jesus went into the ground. It was a seed. But what came up was a different type of body. Have you ever been to a graveside? There's been bodies put in the ground. But a day is coming when the dead in Christ shall rise. Now, he goes on to make the, the greatest understatement in Scripture, in verse 42 and 43. In the same way, for the resurrection of the dead, our earthly bodies, which die and decay, some a little faster than others, they'll be different when they are resurrected, 
for they will never die. We're going to get a body that will never grow old. Uh, here, and here's, here's the biggest understatement in Scripture. Our bodies now disappoint us. Hello. Hello. <laughs> but when they are raised, they will be filled with glory. They are weak now, but they will be raised with that. They are, when they're raised, they'll be full of power. There are natural human bodies now, but when they're raised, there will be spiritual bodies. For just as there's natural bodies, so there's also spiritual bodies. Are you still with me? The reason that the resurrection is so exciting because it promises you and I a new body that will live forever. That's like Jesus. He was able to like do cool stuff because he had a cool new body. I'm getting tired of the physical limitations of this personal carcass that I'm meant to deal with on a regular basis. I would like a new one. Trade-in value is not that great, apparently. But he, but he goes on to say, but what I'm saying, I'm, he says, uh, what I'm saying, dear brothers and sisters, is that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These perishable bodies of ours are not able to live forever. But let me tell you a wonderful secret God has revealed to us. Not all of us will die, but we will be transformed. And it'll happen in a moment in the blinking or the twinkling of an eye when the trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, the Christians who have died will be raised to transformed bodies. But the, and then we, will, we who are living will be transformed so that we will never die. When that happens, when our perishable bodies die, uh, have been transformed into heavenly bodies, they will never die. Then at last the scripture will be true. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where's your victory? Oh, death, where's your sting? We're coming to that. These, are, these, these days are ahead. Last sermon. Chapter 24 of Luke. You, you could say that Jesus... The death of Jesus put death to death. But there's a touching scene here. And, and I, I, just give me about four minutes to preach this, and I want you to be open to a response. There's a, it's, it's, this story in chapter 24 is about the morning of the resurrection. And uh, it's a very touching scene. Uh, you'll, you'll know what took place on the first creation. Six days and then one day of rest, right? Jesus' crucifixion, six hours, crucified at nine o'clock, 12 o'clock goes dark, three o'clock dies. Six hours, and now he enters into rest. This is the picture. Uh, it's a very touching scene as we come to the end of chapter 23. Joseph of Arimathea shows up. When we read the parallel passage in the book of John, it says that, it says that, that Joseph was not alone. Isn't that interesting? Hey, when you read the Bible, the stuff you learn. He, he wasn't alone. You know who was with him? Nicodemus. Well, if you, I'll, I'll read that first. Chapter, chapter 19 of, of John. Afterward, Joseph of Arimathea, who had been a secret disciple of Jesus. How do you be a secret disciple? Because he feared the Jewish leaders. After Pilate had, had given him permission to take Jesus' body down, he came and took the body away. Nicodemus, the man who had come to Jesus night, also came, bringing 75 pounds of anointing ointment, an embalming ointment made of myrrh and aloes, and they wrapped him together. It's a big, it's a, that's a lot of herbs and aloe and like 75 pounds. Okay, so here's the picture. First, verse 50, he's a good man. He stood against the decision of crucifying Jesus. Um, 
I said, this is great. So he went and he asked for the body. He took the body from the cross, wrapped it in, in linen, and, uh, and put it in a new tomb. It's quite likely he could have been, they could have been hiding in the tomb and the crucifixion took place. I don't know. This was done late Friday afternoon, the day of preparation. It's interesting, on the day of preparation for, for Passover, Jesus' body is being prepared. It's the day of preparation. As his body was taken away, the women from Galilee followed and saw the tomb where they'd placed him. And then they went home, and they prepared spices as well, these girls. These were the original Spice Girls. I could, I, sorry, I just couldn't resist. I couldn't. Okay, just come on back. Uh, they went home, they prepared the spices to embalm him, but by the time they were finished, it was Sabbath, so they rested. I just want you to get the scene. I want you to feel the, the, these, these ladies who had walked with him and supported him. Uh, he had, out of Mary, Mary Magdalene, cast seven devils. They're, they're walking, they're, they're, they're getting ready to say goodbye to their Savior. They would have seen uh, the crucifixion, the, the gore of the cross. They, they would have seen him take his last breath and, and die on the cross. The, the passage, interesting passage he, it, where... Uh, it, in, in verse uh, 49, sorry, in verse 46, Father, I entrust you my spirit. The last words of Jesus was a typical prayer for Jewish children. The last thing they would say before they went to sleep was, in, Lord, into your hands I commit my spirit. What, what's, what's the Son of God do? Last thing he says, little Jewish prayer, into your hands I commit my spirit. They, they, they were probably walking slow. They probably had these images in their mind. When they were at the cross, because it wasn't that long a period of time, right? It was only six days since, since Jesus' feet were anointed with spikenard. It's quite likely that at the cross, as they got closer, you would be able to smell a spikenard. It'd still be on his feet. He, you know what happens, hey, when you put that strong cologne on, you put the shirt on a week later, you're still, ooh. This would have, this would have and, and, they, and, and this would have been reminiscent for them. They probably, they, 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 so it's, as they show up, they're walking. Very early the next morning, they're walking. I wonder if they're quiet. I wonder if they're talking. <clears throat> I wonder if they're anxious. Um, I wonder if they're thinking of Peter's words. or I wonder what they're thinking of. Um, they would have seen the mocking. It's the morning, and they're still very much in mourning. And three things are a surprise for us. First of all, the stone's moved. The body's gone. And there's a pair of angels asking questions. Now, this is interesting to me. I don't know if you've ever considered this. There's an entire, there, there, there's, a, there's a message in that, that angels ask questions. Aren't you used to angels having exclamation marks after what they say? They're having a dialogue. Angels have choice. They can make a decision. They show up, and what are they trying to do? It's just interesting to me what's taking place. And they end up, early in the morning, the, the, the girls take the spices they prepared. They found that the stone was rolled away. So they went in, but they couldn't find the body of Jesus. They were puzzled, trying to think, what could have happened? And suddenly two men appeared, clothed in dazzling robes. And the women were terrified, bowed down to the ground. And the men asked this question, why are you looking in a tomb? Or why are you going to a place of dead for somebody who's alive? What a question. He's not here. He's risen. Don't you remember? Obviously not. What he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must, this is part of the plan, 
He must. There's some things that didn't, must have to happen, but this must happen. It's been from the foundation of the earth. He must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. And then he would rise again on the third day. Third day. Then they remembered that he had said what he had said, and they rushed back to tell the disciples nobody uh, believed them. Um, it's quite a thing that, that, that angels ask questions. I, I don't have an answer for that specifically, but, but I find it interesting that very similar to Hebrews chapter 11 when uh, Abraham says um, that he believed that if uh, Isaac was sacrificed, that God could raise him from the dead. The one who raised, he could do that. This, this is where we're living. And, and this is how we'll know love, that a man would lay down his life for a friend. Let me, let me, let me sew it together. You don't have to live a selfish, sinful life if you know that you're going to get another life. As greater love has no man than this, on a micro scale. You don't have to get your own way. Husbands, I can't speak on behalf of wives. <laughs> you don't have to. Why? Because you're going to get another life. If you're willing to lay it down, once you lay it down, something will happen. There will be new life will come. Those of you who seek to keep their life, what's going to happen? You're, you're going to miss it. If you're willing to lay your life down, you'll find it. What is Jesus a model of? That laying down your life not only gives new life to him, but new life to all who follow him. What a message. Let's preach that. Philippians chapter 3 says, that Paul says, if by any means I might attain to the resurrection. If by any means. Greater love hath no man. Um, We move from emotion to the truth of scripture. uh, And... And, and I think that when you look at the life of the apostles, and all of them were martyred, what a testimony of what they seen was true. Case in point, do you know of anybody, anybody, is there, isn't it reasonable to ask this, anybody who would give up their life because they believed in a Sasquatch? No. What would happen? They start, they bring out the nails, and you're going to say, nah, nah, just kidding. It's just, I don't know, it's a hairy, I don't know. (laughs) No, but do you see the irony of it? If he wasn't who he said he was, and if he didn't lay down his life like he did, and if he wasn't the resurrected son of God that appeared after that to many, who in their right mind is ever going to lay their life down for a figment of somebody's imagination? That he rose again is proof that you and I will rise again as well. And he said, and the angels asked this question, why are you looking for life in a place of death? We all have. We look to certain things to give us life. We look in certain places. The country singer says, looking for love in all the wrong places. We're, you're looking for life in a place of death. Negativity is death. You're looking for, to find a solution to life, but you're not willing to give up your own stubborn, my own stubborn self. I'm looking 
to life, here's where I'm gonna look, in a place of death, where in an argument with another person, that results in what? Nothing, death. But if I'm willing to lay down my agenda, boy, for years I looked for life in bars and clubs and lounges, and that didn't work, so I looked for life in drugs. I'm looking for life in a place of death. Do you see the irony? Lord, show us where we're looking for life in places of death. Why are you looking in a place of death or something that's alive? There should be no greater place of life than in the local church. Don't get upset that we clap our hands and shout and holler and dance and don't, this is a place of life. Has to be. May our, ho- may our homes be places of life. He says he places lonely in homes. The, 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 the biggest heartbreak is when children looking for life in their home and yet they find dysfunction and distortions and disappointments. May our homes today, may your Easter meal, let it be filled with life. Let your language be filled with life. Let your relationships be filled with life. As I close today, there's a chance that some for the first time would have seen that, ah, Jesus is the answer. I want to pray for you if that's you. Some here today, this is, gosh, I've been slipping in my walk. I want to rededicate my life to the Lord. I want to pray for you. If there's any other need, because in his body, he bore every sickness and every disease and every disorder. He carried it in his body. And if we are in Christ, we can draw on that healing and that hope. Any issue, we'll pray for you this morning and believe for total healing. Would you stand with me as we close? Lord, this morning some people probably came looking for life. And the answer is found in you because you are the life. So Father, today I pray that veils would lift off, scales would lift off we'd be able to see God in Christ. No, none of us, after seeing what you've done, should ever question your goodness or your love. Here in his love, that you lay down your life for a friend. I thank you, Lord, that then you called us friends. If you're here this morning, wherever you are, online or here, and you'd like to give your life to Christ, all you need to do is you, you do need to do something. This is a partnership. To be co-crucified with Christ, you've got to acknowledge that. So I'm just going to ask you as we bow our heads to lift your hands so I can pray for you. Anybody here want to give their life to Christ? That, that's the gospel, that we accept what he did on the cross. Is there anybody here? Just shoot your hand up, please, quickly, so I can see your hand. Is there anybody here who would like to rededicate their life to Christ? Say, Lord, I've been living below. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I've been living below. I've been looking in a place of death for life. And Lord, I acknowledge that I haven't been able to find it. But today, knowing that you offer life. Is there anybody here? Just shoot your hand up so I can pray for you where you're standing. Is anybody? Anybody else? Thank thank you, sir. Thank you. Father, it's truly a miracle. Easter is a miracle. It's just a miracle. But what it does is it reminds us that we can have new life. We don't have to live in an old uh, 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 pattern, old habits. 
that we can break those habits. Today, Lord, those that raise their hands, I thank you for meeting them right exactly where they're at. And from this day forward, Lord, they'll experience brand new life in you. I ask your blessing on this body. May this place be always a place of life. And when people come looking, they will find you here because you are life. I thank you, Father, for this congregation and this day and this season. Thank you that you were the first fruits. And Father, today we offer the rest of our lives to you, not just 10%, but 100% today. Lifting up our hands, we lay our life down. In the name of Jesus, amen. We're just going to sing that chorus. I realize it's a little bit dated. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our C3 Calgary live stream on YouTube. If this message resonated with you and you'd like to give to our church, you can do so on our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.